0: It comes together organically when you think. Your mind's designed to do that. Your mind, the human mind is designed to create a plan. If you train it to, if you're a disciplined thinker and you you focus on a subject, your mind will do the work. I I start books before I have an idea of how they're going to go, but I never worry about how I'm going to do it. I get a general idea. I often write the ending before I write anything else, so I know where I'm going. And then it's just a matter of putting the pieces together, and the pieces
1: come. Welcome to another exciting episode of the podcast, The Thought Leader Revolution. I'm your host, Nikki Ballou, and boy, do we have an exciting guest lined up for you today. This gentleman is one of my favorite authors. He has written a powerful series of books under the theme of The People's Republic. I am speaking, of course, of none other than the one, the only, the legendary Kurt Schlichter. Welcome to the show, Kurt.
0: Hey, Nikki, thanks for having me.
1: Kurt, man, it's an honor to have you here, my friend. Kurt, you know what? I got to to know you by reading your books. And the first one of your books I read was Indian Country. So I kind of read them out of order. Uh, and I was so hooked by the story in that book that I just quickly went out, and ordered all the rest of them. And within two weeks, I'd read all five of your books. And I think that's a total of almost 1,000 pages right there. And... The reason that I read those books is because they were a darn good yarn individually. They were a lot of fun to read, but they hit so close to home because the scenarios you depict in those books could very well come true. And I love these books and I've gotten to know you and your work. You're quite the thought leader. This show is called The Thought Leader Revolution. It's all about bringing some of the top thought leaders in the world to my audience because my listener is a man, is a woman who is an entrepreneur. This individual wants to learn from you. They want to understand how you got to be where you are. But before they can really open their hearts and minds to you, they got to get to know who you are. So tell us your backstory, Kurt. How'd you get to be the great Kurt Schlechter?
0: Oh, my backstory, goodness. I uh, started out uh, uh, in Northern California. I grew up in San Mateo. Uh, My mom was a lawyer. She had her own law firm after she was a DA, but before she was a judge. My dad was a chemical engineer. later became a consultant, and I got a brother who runs uh, uh, his own company. Uh, so all of us are uh, kind of entrepreneurs. I've been, uh, you know, I was, uh, I, I was an entrepreneur and a uh, government worker. I was army for 23, uh, 27 years.
1: Wow! Thank uh, you for your service, I, brother.
0: Oh, I was a colonel. I didn't do anything interesting. <laughs> um, I had a, you know, I've had a law firm, and of course, I've run my uh, speaking writing business uh, for for years. And, uh, it's, uh, yeah, it just sort of started Andrew Breitbart brought me into writing for breitbart.com. I wrote there a few years, Andrew passed away. I moved on to town hall where I have columns every Monday, Wednesday, and Thursday, uh, started getting asked to be on TV a lot. I was for, uh, until I got kicked off of CNN in 2015 by Don Lemon. He got mad at what I had to say, and Fox kind of changed its vibe. So I don't go on Fox three times a, a, a week anymore. I get on three times a year, maybe, Other than that, you know, I do a lot of radio hits, a lot of podcasts, a lot of speaking gigs. People, you know, bring me places to talk. I was a stand-up comic for a while, so I think I'm pretty good at it. I write traditional books, and I write books through the Amazon thing where I publish myself and keep all the money, and uh, they sell pretty darn well.
1: That's awesome, man. I love it. I love it. Well. Your story is a fascinating one because you're quite the thought leader. You have you come from an entrepreneurial background and that's, that's something which we love to see in our thought leaders. And you also are somebody who does a lot of deep thinking on very serious issues. And you're constantly writing, you're constantly speaking, testing out your ideas, and you're constantly bringing new material out to the audiences in the world. Talk to me about how you got into this whole business of being a writer, an author, a speaker?
0: Well, I was writing in college. I wrote for the comedy paper and I wrote for the political paper, conservative. And uh, then I went in the army and then I came out and I, through the 90s, I wrote a lot of freelance stuff. I used to write jokes for uh, little trivia questions in bars. They would have a joke on them. I would write those at like three and a half bucks of a joke. Uh, And that was, it was always fun to walk in a bar and you know, watch people guessing the answer to the questions I wrote faster, and, uh, faster than I could. Andrew, uh, I, I did stand-up comedy for a while. I was a better writer than performer. Uh, and I, But the nice thing is I could write a joke with anybody. And that's why I really kind of honed how, you know, I, I kind of made it, I systematized what I always knew, which was how to be funny. And I kind of un- learned to understand it better. Uh, and if you read my columns, you'll notice that, There, you know, this is a a guy with an Army War College Strategic Studies degree, writing as if he's doing a stand-up comedy bit, and not not just not that every line's funny, but the way it flows. Everything is either a setup, punchline, or a tag that is making another joke off or another point off the previous point. So I I think that's very skillful, uh, very useful for me, and uh, you know, being a trial lawyer going in front of juries. You, you just kind of pick up things and i think it became a good combination of attributes and skills when it came to being uh, uh you know, i guess for lack of a better word a conservative pundit because i can get up and speak for an hour off the cuff because you know i've been in mid- the military i've been in th- what, two wars multiple civil support operations for instance with this uh stuff going on in washington you know, I've been doing radio left and right because I literally commanded troops doing exactly what they're doing. In fact, I wrote a law review article about the legal aspects of them doing what they're doing. That one of the nice things is I come in with a good resume, but I can also, you know, crack a joke and go viral when I need to. I know how to advocate. So, trial lawyer, stand up comic, comic, former army officer, good combo for what I'm doing.
1: Man, that 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 is quite the mouthful, eh? <laughs> Trial lawyer, stand up comic, and former a um, former army officer. Let me say that again three times real fast. <laughs> but if you do, I appear. So that's awesome. So you've got this varied background, and so first of all, as I said, thank you for your service because to me. Nothing is more important than acknowledging the men and women who fight, bleed, and die so the rest of us get to enjoy the blessings of liberty. And well, I it, didn't
0: do much fighting or bleeding. I ran a heavily armed car wash in Desert Storm. <laughs> so that was, you know, I mean, it's like, I, hey, I'm no Pete Buttigieg. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, but, uh, uh, you know, I showed up, I did my job. I, I evidently did it well. Not a lot of people get promoted to full Colonel. Not a lot of people get invited to the war college. Not a lot of people get to command a, uh, cavalry squadron, but, uh, you know, I mean, I, like I, uh, I, I did an okay job. I just wasn't, you know, I wasn't super army guy.
1: No, I understand. But still you, you showed up, you did, you did your part to keep the rest of us free. And that, that's a fantastic thing. And when you came back, you know, you, you picked up, you became a lawyer, and being a lawyer is being an entrepreneur, especially being a trial lawyer. You've got to find clients, you've got to uh, persuade them that you're the right person. Your messaging has to be such that you're differentiated, and people want to get together with you and and do stuff. And you decided that you know you had something to say, so you developed your own intellectual property. You created a um, a voice for yourself, if you will, and you've written you know, some spectacular books, you know, your Kelly Turnbull series of books are some of the best books I've ever read when it comes to the subject uh, of, uh, you know, thrillers and, and talking about politics and war and intrigue and and spy, spy stuff. They're just fantastic stuff. And that's one of the reasons I really wanted to have you come on the show. What gave you the idea to write these books? Uh, Andrew Breitbart. He 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 insisted
0: that we all, you know, that, that we need to have conservative culture too, because if you look at something like Netflix or Hulu or whatever, it's all woke garbage. It's yeah.
1: just crap. Yeah, and
0: it's just like you know, I, it's boring.
1: And the it's older movies are still same. cool. The older movies are cool, like the God. Yeah, the older stuff.
0: The older stuff's fine, but the the, the new stuff's just terrible. It's all the same. It's all hack cliches politically correct garbage. And I, I'm I'm just bored. Yeah, that's pretty so boring. I want to write, write some. I wanted to read. It needed to be action-packed. It needed to be funny. It needed to say something interesting. It needed to show me possibilities. Unfortunately, a lot of possibilities have turned true. <laughs> so it is uh, ridiculous what's going on and I, I want to uh, mock it, which I did successfully. Unfortunately, a lot of the stuff that I mocked in the earlier books is kind of like actually happening.
1: Yeah, so give me an example of that.
0: Oh, shoot, all the politically correct idiocy, all the uh, uh, gender nonsense, and of course, the uh, you know threats to begin active political persecution against uh, people who have dissenting
1: views. I'll tell you, I come from Iran. I'm a Christian from Iran. And we left Iran after the Islamic Revolution. So at that time, many people in the West, including President Carter, were saying that the Shah was not a good guy. He was a dictator. He was suppressing his people. And yet me living in Iran, I was a kid then. I was 11 years old. And my family thought, you know, he seems to be doing a pretty decent job in terms of keeping the country prosperous and growing. And there wasn't too much suppression going on as long as you weren't trying to overthrow the government. But the the folks who ran the Islamic Revolution and many of the, the intelligentsia in the West just hated the Shah, absolutely hated him and they supported the revolution and the folks who took over iran were a million times more repressive than the shah ever was on his and none worst of them had day, to
0: live on the and none of the people who supported uh, uh, Khomeini uh, had to live with the consequences but they never do
1: no they never do you they know i do. mean
0: you you see you see homeless bums on the street you have to dodge uh, Needles and piles of human waste, but n- not in the neighborhoods where the people who uh, made that possible live.
1: Yeah, exactly. And so my family decided that you know what, it was time—it was time to leave Iran. It was time to leave our homeland and come to the West. So we did, and we came here. And it, you know, it was—it was tough for us. We—we we missed being in, in in our country, but we, we grew to love Canada. We grew to love the West. We grew to love the values of the West, and some of the values that I hold. Most dear are freedom of speech, freedom of assembly, freedom to express yourself, freedom to disagree with the government, freedom to have whatever opinion you choose to have. And when I see the totalitarian mob here, try and suppress anybody who doesn't agree with them, try to cancel them, it makes my blood boil. You know, I have a friend Um, who runs a site on Facebook. Now, I'm not going to mention his name because I don't want to get a whole bunch of hate going his way, but he said that there was someone who was on one of the business sites that he runs who had a profile on there, and he was getting so many calls after the uh, uh, Capitol Hill uh, riot that there was somebody there who had a company that had a profile on his site. And this person was a criminal and that they needed to get this person off their site. If not, the the harassers, the woke mob was saying, we're gonna call the FBI. And my friend was freaking out. And he, he, he put this out there and he asked me and a few other people, what do you think I should do? And I said, look, it's up to you. But if you give in the, to these people now, one time, you're gonna have to give in to them forever. You're going to be their little stool pigeon forever. You're going to be like their slave. I hate to use that language, but that's exactly what's going to happen. So if I were you, I'd say, nope, they're not violating my terms of service. Excuse my language, but go pee up a rope, right? And this guy, to his credit, that's exactly what he did, and they backed off. And that that that's the incredible thing. If you stand up to the woke mob and you don't give in, most of the time, they're going to back off. And one of the things I think that's important that those of us that value free speech—and it's not even about liberal or conservative anymore—it's about the people who value freedom and those who don't. The people who value freedom need to stick together, because those who don't are, are 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 frankly going to do everything in their power to only make certain opinions valid, to only allow certain people to be able to speak at all, and they're going to try their darnness to destroy every Every opportunity you have, if you're not one of them, and unless we stick together, they're coming after us. They're coming after us, and we can't allow that to happen. We've got to stand for freedom. We've got to stand for the right to speak your mind. And i got to tell you, I stand for the right of somebody who completely disagrees with me on every issue to be able to speak their mind. I will never support them being censored. And that's important. All of us need to get this. All of us need to stand up for this. Otherwise, there's no point in having a West.
0: Uh, Well, that's exactly right, and uh, uh, I have in my Twitter profile – people should go follow me. Uh, They may have been unfollowed because Twitter took about 50,000 followers, but uh, my uh, profile is Free speed absolutist, and that's what I mean. Are you a Nazi? You can speak. Are you a communist? You can speak. Do you support all sorts of hideous things? You can speak. I don't have to like you. And I'm not going to shut up. Thing is, we have to refuse to shut up and we have to fight back. And there are ways to do it. The legal system still exists. Uh, and, and there are groups of us who still exist and can still uh, push politicians. And I think there are a couple politicians who still believe in free speech, though most Democrats don't. But uh, look, it's much easier for the establishment if they establish a norm where they can shut everybody up all the time. For sure it is. The sure the, it is. the thing is, the, the people who used to pretend to be oppressed now have some power. And of course, the first thing they do is try and oppress everybody else. But remember, it's always for your safety. It's always an exception. It's always just this time. There's It's never, gosh, I really want to shut up the opposition. No, it's an emergency. <laughs> we have no choice. It's a crisis. Don't think. Do. Yeah, it's all crap. And I'm against it every single time.
1: Hundred percent, hundred percent, amen. Well said, brother. So let's talk about the books. Let's talk some more about the books because these books are really, really, really great. So People's Republic—that was the book that launched it all. Yep, Tell my listener a bit about the book.
0: Well, that was 2016, and uh, you know, I I just decided, oh, I'll have a book about the America splitting in two, peacefully, relatively peacefully. And uh, one turns really blue and one turns really red. And what what do they look like? And I send a guy from the red states into the blue states, which are a nightmarish hellscape. Because that's, of course, what happens when you choose Venezuela as opposed to old America. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I did it in kind of the thriller genre, you know, special forces guy, undercover, on a mission, lots of shooting. Uh, And lots of uh, I mean, there's stuff that, you know, encounters all sorts of politically correct insanity. And it's funny. And yet it's also, you know, you're like, I don't I don't think I did anything. That's not at some level plausible.
1: It's all plausible. That's the scary part about it. Um, I I read that there's a poll that 25 percent of the U.S. population thinks the United States should split into blue and red states.
0: Well, I think that's a bad idea. I have a better idea. How about the people who don't believe in the Constitution start believing in it?
1: <laughs> it's a great idea, for sure. But the scary part is one out of every four Americans thinks the country should split up. I mean, well, those are approaching I mean, they're, civil war-type numbers, pre-civil war-type numbers, man.
0: Well, there. I mean, look, there is a reason our garbage establishment, and this is true throughout the West. Yeah. Uh, the people who have been in power since pretty much the institutions were kind of set in stone, largely, not completely. I mean, the tech guys are new, but the institutions were set in stone right after World War II. I mean, look at academia. You go, you go to a college today, and yeah, you know, there may be a few videos or computers or things, but the way they teach is not, in general. Or, the way they'd like to teach is not different than it was seventy years ago. Now, they've had to make some allowances for technology. Technology's been pushing things in in every every institution. Look at the National Football League, for instance. Ah, uh, now people don't have to watch at a theater at a stadium or on television. They can just watch highlights on YouTube. That technology has kind of changed where football goes. So now you've got you can't necessarily, by your audience. And that's changed kind of the money aspect, the viewership aspect. And of course, they're in competent leadership where they embrace politics when they didn't have to. But as we've seen, all these institutions uh, adopt the politics of the 30-year-old second wife of the CEO uh, for some reason. I, I I don't understand why these men just don't say, no, we're not doing that. But they they don't and they end up destroying their institution and then they go well since the institution can't function on its own let's you know embrace oppression to force the institute you know to to f- prevent criticism of and changes to the institutions remember they're trying to shut us up because they want to maintain the status quo hmm, hmm,
1: hmm. no question about it no question about it so you know, the concept for the book has been a powerful one. And I want to talk a little bit about the business end of what you do. Okay. Uh, Kurt, because I think my listeners really fascinated by that. You, you wrote these books. You've got a following, you got a following on Twitter. You've got a following, uh, on townhall.com. You've been on tons of television and radio shows and podcasts. so, so, People out there know you, and they know you for having a particular point of view. So when, when you wrote your book, how did you get it out into the hands of the people that really would be interested in this, that know you, know the brand of work that you do? How'd you get them to find out about it?
0: Uh, well, I already had established an audience through uh, Town Hall and on Twitter, uh, and I used those. Uh, I let the people on Twitter know, hey, I, I got a book. You can go and get it. Uh, It is, uh, you know, self-published and you can get in paperback or on uh, electronically. Uh, That also uh, avoids having, uh, you know, to deal with a publisher. Now, I do traditional books, too, through Regnery is my latest publisher. And it is, uh, you know, it takes a long time. It's a very slow process. Again, an old institution. The old publishing industry was, well, great, we bought your book. Yeah, you'll see it a year from next spring. <laughs> Literally, it's slow. I, I I think the whole publishing industry is basically a giant excuse for them people in it to go to have lunch with each other. But, uh, you know, I you know embracing agile new technology, I managed to bypass that. I get more of the money, and I can do it faster, and I can do it totally on my terms. And people like what they're getting, and they get a good product. I I have you know quality uh, uh, art on the cover. Mm-hmm. Uh, the books themselves are, uh, you know, the early one. You know, the early one a little rough. I mean, I was learning curve. Uh, now uh, I have I've got systems in place to proofread them better, to edit them better. I have uh, formats that uh I actually write in the in the format you see. So I'm always looking at how the book's going to look on the page. Uh which is uh, uh which you know it's just little tricks I've learned writing five of them. I'm writing the sixth one and it's going very quickly and I hope to have if I may.
1: But, I'll be one uh, of your first buyers, my friend. I'll buy I'll, I'll buy 10 I hope so. and get them signed.
0: <laughs> well the last one uh the last one went uh to number 29 on all of Amazon. Of every 8 million books on Amazon, my self-published novel hit 29.
1: That's crazy, man. That's awesome. I love it. I love it. That was nice. It is. So you're a thought leader because you have original thoughts. You know, one of my mentors is a fellow out of Australia. His name is Matt Church. And he created a movement out of Australia called Thought Leaders Global. And he created a program called Thought Leaders Business School. And here's what Matt says. He says that the hardest work in the world is thinking. That's why so few people do it. And so those people who do a lot of thinking like you and put their thoughts out into the world, almost like a baby being born anew, they're the bravest people in the world because they're doing the hardest work and they're putting it out there for you to basically basically do what you will with it. And they're thinking in their heads, I hope they like it, (laughs) right?
0: Well, look, I, I disagree with one thing. I, I agree that it's the most important thing. I disagree with it's hardest. I enjoy it. Uh, I have thought through everything that I write. I don't think through the book as a whole. I think through, you know, oh, here's this set piece I'm going to write and I have played it in my head and I'm usually, you know, out walking, uh, maybe listening to some psychedelic furs as I'm walking. I have I have various songs that inspire me, and I will I will think through. I when, when I'm doing law, I will think through my argument before I put it on paper. I will visualize. I see it. It's there. I create it. Uh, the 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 same thing. You know, when I was in the army, and commanding, I would take a few minutes every night, and I'd just walk off alone and think about the day, and then think about what I'm going to do tomorrow. People don't think. There's a time to just react. But you never just react when you have time to think because then you can weigh possibilities, weigh options, see if you can come up with something better. It's remarkable how the book creative process works when I'm thinking because I'll start thinking about a general wherever where I want to go. Then I'll think how I get there. And it starts to take shape and I'll find, oh, here's some asides I want to make. Here's a place I can stick an obs- this observation. Hey, if that is- means this, then that means that has to happen. And that's a whole, intri- there's a nerd chapter. And it all, it comes together organically when you think. Your mind's designed to do that. Your mind, the human mind is designed to create a plan. If you train it to, if you're a disciplined thinker and you, you focus on a subject Your mind will do the work. I start books before I have an idea of how they're going to go, but I never worry about how I'm going to do it. I get a general idea. I often write the ending before I write anything else so I know where I'm going. And then it's just a matter of putting the pieces together and the pieces come. And it's never what I expect when I start.
1: You know, I really like what you just said because – You're obviously somebody who engages in a lot of thinking, and that's what a thought leader is, is someone who does original thinking. And so for you, it's something that's become natural and simple and and organic because you engage in it all the time, but not everybody does. Not everybody spends a lot of time thinking things through, especially in today's environment where... Most people are addicted to their screens, they're watching videos all day long, and they're listening to other people to find out what their opinion on various subjects is. Very few people do original thinking. So one of my challenges with some of my liberal friends is that they don't actually have original arguments. They're parroting what they heard on television or what they read in a paper and when I challenge them to actually go think things through, the few of them that are willing to do it, usually reconsider some of their positions. Mm-hmm. But those that aren't, those that just outsource their thinking, I really feel sorry for them because, A, from a business point of view, from a thought leadership point of view, that's a terrible idea. If you outsource your thinking, you're never going to sound like you have an original thought. David Meerman Scott, who's one of the guests on my show, you ought to listen to that episode, very, very brilliant guy, said, an expert is someone who plays cover music. A thought leader plays original music. Isn't that elegant? Isn't that beautiful? Yeah,
0: I I, I like... uh... I, I like that. That's uh, that's actually true, and everybody likes a cover band once in a while. Sure, but you can only hear the same song so many times. I, I think, uh, especially being a conservative, I've ha- come up against this bizarre prejudice all my life that somehow I'm dumber than everyone else, <laughs> and <You're> you not. <laughs> know a lot of those people. Well, I'm I'm sitting in a car that's more expensive than my parents' first house, and you know, a lot of these guys are not, I'm not, I'm not telling you how great I am. Cause I got a nice car. I'm telling you a lot of people have unearned arrogance. That's uh, a
1: brilliant phrase. I love that.
0: Well, and I, 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 remember I was stupid as a young person. And my, uh, my dad was attempting to explain to me that maybe the janitor knew more than I did cause he'd live longer and I kind of poo-pooed that. That was when I was in college because co- people in college know everything. That's right. Uh, even though I had started out sweeping out toilets at a Carl's Jr. fast food restaurant and had a valuable experience I, I think everybody else would uh, need. But uh, being in the being in the Army, and I was nominally at 22, 23, the leader because I was a lieutenant, and I was nominally in command of people, well, in charge and in command until I became a captain. But I was in charge of guys who'd been in the Army 15, 17 years and were 15, 17 years older than me. And it became abundantly clear very quickly that I did not know anything of significance. I, 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 had, I had the equi- now I knew the facts, I had the equivalent of smarts, but I didn't have the Army equivalent of wisdom. You know, I couldn't walk into a unit, look around at how the guys were dressed and moving, what the place looked like, what the vibe was, and know immediately if this is a squared away unit or if it had a bad command climate. Uh, I learned to do that. I got the wisdom and I realized other people have skills I don't have. And I I began to notice that there are a lot of guys who could do things I could look. I've got two graduate degrees. I have a bachelor's degree from arguably one of the top 10 colleges in America. Yay, right? My water heater went out. A guy came over and he knew how to fix it. I didn't know how to fix it. He knew how to fix it. Is he? Does he not deserve respect? He can do something I can't do. And he so he deserves respect. And you know, I, am good at what I do, but that doesn't make me good at everything. It certainly doesn't give me a position to look down on anybody. I try not, I look, I'm a cavalry officer. I trial lawyer. I have a little bit of arrogance. You always want to, you know, you never want a guy commanding you who isn't confident. You never want a, a, a lawyer defending you who isn't confident, right? But arrogance is a combination of, uh, uh overconfidence and uh, uh, condescension. And that must be avoided at all costs. You are not better than anybody else, simply you're because you're good at what you do. You may be better than other people because they're actively bad. But you know, one of the problems is our entire ruling class has this unearned arrogance. I like to, here, here's why I like to say. I know the greatest generation, you know, a generation of 40s and 50s, they, they beat the depression. They beat World War. They beat the Nazis. That's a pretty good achievement. Pretty big. Sixties, sixties. Okay, put a man on the moon. Had a civil rights revolution. Those are things. Okay, good. Those are things to be proud of. What's the one? The generation that's been in charge for the last twenty years. What, what's their achievement? Grindr. Is that their achievement?
1: Really? What, what's their achievement? Twitter. Oh, God, that's not an achievement. No, I mean, that's I ten mean, steps backward in human evolution, yeah, but well,
0: yeah. well, look, I, I mean, it should be a great idea, and it's turned into a cesspool
1: for various reasons. But you know, I deleted we had my Twitter a, account uh, last week i I'm sorry, I can't support I cannot support an organization that does not believe in free speech. And after they, they so hypocritically came out criticizing the government of Uganda for interfering in oh, online speech. And I'm looking at them going, you just took the president of the United States and about 70,000 people off of Twitter because you think that their political opinions are wrong. Not That is the antithesis of free speech. I'm sorry, I can't support Twitter. In fact, I want 50 million people to leave Twitter. I've told everyone in my circle, please leave Twitter. I moved on to Parler. They got knocked off. I moved on to Gab. is going to come back. I'm going to be on Gab as well. I'm on Signal. I'm on a whole bunch of other free speech protecting platforms. Any platform that doesn't protect free speech, over time, I'm going to get off of them. It's not immediately possible for me to get off of all of them, but I was able to immediately get off Twitter. And that cost me a little bit. I had a bunch of followers, some really cool people I was connected to over there, but yeah, I'll get over it they'll get over it too.
0: Well, I'm going to continue to use Twitter because I think I can do more damage there uh, on heart than heart. it than off it. Good for but, you. Um, but the thing is, I mean, you know, getting back to my point, you have a generation that's given us the Iraq war, unable to win the Afghanistan war after how many years, uh, gave us the meltdown in 2008, gave us Obamacare, uh, gave us the fight over Trump, they caused Trump, Trump would not have been necessary if not for their gross incompetence. And they're about to plunge us into a, a, a giant mess over the next two to four years. So the present generation we have is a disaster. It's incompetent. It's stupid. It is unwise. It is corrupt. And it has. it is infected with an unearned arrogance of such staggering perform, proportions. It's almost uh, incredible. You kind of sit there scratching your head going do you really believe you don't suck? Because all the evidence points to you sucking. And I don't see how anyone else can draw any other conclusion.
1: When it comes to politics and society and culture as a whole, I'm with you 100%. But when it comes to the greatness that so many people continue to exhibit in terms of new ideas in the realm of technology, new uh, ways of moving forward to put information out into the world, uh, a whole new focus on eating healthy, on exercising more, all those things I think are pretty darn magnificent. But when it comes to our political leaders, our societal and cultural leaders, I've got to agree with you, they are not very good. At all. Martin Luther oh, they're, King they're, would be rolling disaster. in his grave today, my friend. Martin Luther King would be rolling in his grave. Well, to he's see-
0: problematic to the liberals because he actually uh, was not a racist.
1: No, he was. And wasn't. liberalism
0: <laughs> is, uh, of course, built on it. Uh, it needs it, it wants it, and it actively embraces it. And uh, it's important to say that, especially as uh, the pressure is going to build. Uh, for people to shut up. This is when we get louder. This is when we get prouder. I didn't go to war twice for my country, uh, to have a bunch of little pipsqueaks uh, uh authorize me to speak or deny me the right to speak. That's that's Amen, not in brother. the cards. So I'm brother. not going to do that. And I don't care what they think. And the more they try and shut me down, the more I'm gonna talk. And we and there are millions of others who feel that way.
1: Tens of millions and, tens of millions. And
0: here's, Here's the thing. Who has suppressed themselves to permanent supremacy? You can do it for a while. You can stamp people down. and but, but when you have a divided country, I mean, Hitler didn't have a lot of internal problems because most of the people kind of supported him. I mean, you won't you won't find a lot of people say admitting that. but, you know, uh, loads, he, he spoke about, he spoke
1: about making, he spoke about lifting Germany up from the shame of world war one. A lot of Germans, yeah, a lot of Germans, a lot of Germans So he
0: didn't have a split country. Well, yeah, right?
1: the, the, There was the communists but, but, who were against him, but as soon as he got into power, he started killing all those guys off.
0: Well, the, 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 the point I'm trying to make is that Hitler didn't have a serious internal threat. No, he did During didn't. the 10, 13 years, he was. Uh, uh, he, he got rid
1: of it within the, the first dictator. six months. He went in and he, he got killed everybody. He communist. got rid of what there was. Yeah, but he it got wasn't rid of every It communist. wasn't a massive Boom. one. He, no, in the wasn't. United
0: States, the, the idea is to suppress half the population. It's not going to fly. Which is, I, I think, fly. functionally
1: impossible. And frankly, there's now. A, remember, of the other remember, and I want to make
0: clear who I who who the who, who the Nazis are in this analogy. <laughs> yeah, I'm very it's, clear. It's not the guy. It's it's the establishment is channeling fascist tendencies. No, I'm not calling them Nazis, but it is. You uh, can call because them they fascists. They are not national socialists. They're a different socialist. Uh, they are fascists. You can call them fascists. Uh, they are
1: fascists. That's a that's a totally well, appropriate that, term.
0: Yeah, that is that is certainly the uh, uh, and it's disgusting. And, you know, when you're doing things that Hitler would do, you should stop doing them because Hitler would do them. That's a great test. If you find yourself doing something Hitler would approve of, don't do it because it's bad. I mean, (laughs) mean, it astonishes me that I have to point this out to people,
1: but apparently I do. Um, Like I said, people don't think anymore. And the, the school system for decades has been Uh, taken over by a far-left cadre that is teaching America's young to hate their country, and so many people are growing up not understanding what a great place America is. Trust me when I tell you, I grew up in an actual totalitarian country, an actual one. My family, when I was 11 years old, had uh, the great fortune, I'm being sarcastic here, of having a lighted Molotov cocktail thrown through our living room window. The only reason you and I are talking today is because it did not explode. It landed five feet away from me, my friend. Well, the, ni- the nice thing o- about our Do enemies is you know what the note there, on it said? Uh- it said, die, Christian scum. That's what it said. And, but for the grace of God, go I. And that's the reason we came here. We came here to escape all of that. And if people here think that— Telling people they're bad and wrong is going to actually make them go, oh, you're right. I am bad and wrong. Let me change. That's not the way it's going to go. They're going to get upset. They're going to fight back. That's how civil wars start. And we don't want a civil war in 2021. We don't want a civil war. That's not going to be fun for anybody. The last civil war killed 600,000 Americans, and there were fewer than 75 million Americans then. If there's a civil war right now, it will kill at least 5 to 10 million people, minimum. Minimum. Well, there
0: there isn't there isn't going to be a civil war. Well, yeah. Here's what's going. Here is what it, look our electoral processes, though problematic to take a leftist term, are not completely gone. We had bad antics in about six states, and yep. it was urban centers within. We're now looking at them. We now see them. Uh, there were no uh, uh, allegations of fraud in the Atlanta. In Atlanta during the uh, Senate thing, because everyone was looking. Now the Republicans managed to lose it, but you can still lose elections because people can vote stupidly. But in most of America, the elections are straight up. Uh, and now everybody's looking, so it's going to be harder. The court systems still work, hmm. they still function perfectly. No. But we uh, uh, and there still is free speech, despite their efforts to stamp it out. And the more they try and suppress it, the more it'll go around. Look, my theory is the tech guys are kind of doing their worst. You know, okay, let's just ban folks. Okay, they do. People kind of take the hit in the gut for a couple of weeks and then suddenly parlors up on Latvian servers and now they can't touch it.
1: That's crazy, right? Uh I mean, if you think about that, Latvia is the home of radio-free America.
0: (laughs) They're actually talking about using Russian servers, and somebody was like, I I can't believe it, these parlor guys are using Russian servers. And I'm like going, you know, saying that Putin is more amenable to free speech than your establishment America is not the great own you
1: think it is. It's not a good look. Not a good look.
0: That's, that's, I don't think you're, I don't think you're looking at the big picture there, dude, Uh, with your Russians. Uh, Also, I can't, I couldn't think of anything more, uh, uh, more pleasing to the Chinese than uh, uh, promoting conflict with the Russians. Because, of course, when you have three giant powers, you want to keep the other two powers from aligning against you. So, as usual, this Russia stuff Serves the interests of the Chinese, keeping the Russians as a ally, uh, even not even an ally, whatever they were in World War II, uh, pseudo ally, is a powerful uh, uh, check against the Chinese. By promoting this, the Russians' uh, nonsense, and it is nonsense because the Russians haven't been a threat to us for about thirty years. I know I was in the Cold War, um. Is uh, uh, is the Chinese dream? Yeah, the Chinese, by the way, are you know making deals with the Russians. They're flying air missions together. Uh, I would assume the Chinese are going to be exploiting Siberia's resources uh, because they're right next door. So I mean, you know, uh, I, I'm not sure if we're just idiots or malicious. Uh, the, the 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 people running our foreign policy. Uh, for the next administration, but we'll see.
1: We will definitely but they're do- see.
0: But they're doing it wrong.
1: We will definitely see. Absolutely they are. L- listen, there, there's one thing I've got to correct you on. You can no longer call the people in the Democratic Party and on the left liberals. There's nothing liberal about them. They're actually fascists. We need to start calling them what they are. They're fascists. Let's just call them fascists. Uh, a person who's a liberal is no longer going to accept uh, that attacks on free speech uh, are acceptable. Those people, you know, they can still hold uh, progressive views on other issues, but on free speech, they need to be with us. Lot, otherwise they can't call themselves a liberal. They're fascists. That's number one.
0: Well, they no, no nobody wants to call themselves a liberal anyway. They're all progressives
1: now. Yeah. So that's an <laughs> old term. It is an old term. It's definitely an old term. But even a progressive, you can't call those people progressives. They're fascists. Let's call them fascists because there's nothing progressive about them. They're actually quite regressive in their philosophy. They're very regressive. They want to hold, Onto the status quo. That's what you said so yourself. That makes them regressive. So let's call them the regressive fascists. That's number one. And number two, let's 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 come back to the business end of you and your thought leadership. As much as I'm enjoying this part of the conversation. So you've got yourself uh, a brand, you've got yourself a following, you've written these fantastic books, and you you have the opportunity to share your thoughts on a day-to-day basis. So I'd like to kind of wrap up our conversation by asking you to, you know, share with the folks. What's the best way for them to get a hold of your books and find out more about the work that you do? What's the best way?
0: Well, my books are available on Amazon. That's where you should go get them. You can get them paperback. You can get them electronically. You can follow me on Twitter and I write a column at Town Hall every Monday, Wednesday and Thursday I also have a new community at locals.com called the Schlichter Arena and I'm still figuring out the best way to use that. I like that because it's untouchable. Dave Rubin founded it and it's not going anywhere. No matter who hates me, uh, my, the community is very small compared to my Twitter and even Facebook following but uh, and I don't use Facebook for anything but posting articles but it is it's a, it's a good fallback position.
1: Uh, so how do we find you on Locals? So I'll come on Locals and I'll join your community. How do we do that? Just
0: look for at Kurt Schlichter, and you'll you'll get to me.
1: Okay, great. So and,
0: and I I I'm still learning how to best way to provide valuable content. It's free, and uh, you know you can come on there and I post a little videos and exclusive stuff. You know it's a uh, it's a it's a good little good little community and it's kind of growing. So we'll see we'll see how that works out but I'm pretty easy to find. I do encourage people to get the books. I think the books are a lot of fun. And, uh, you know, people, I've never had anybody write me and go, Kurt, your books suck and you suck. I haven't <laughs> had that happen yet.
1: No, your books rock, man. Your books are some of the best books I've, uh, I've read in the thriller genre. And like I said, I read all five of them in less than two weeks and I run, I run a business. I'm a single dad. I'm in a relationship with a lovely woman, blah, blah, blah. I'm a busy guy, and I still read all five of them in two weeks. That's how good they are.
0: Well, I appreciate it. I'm glad you liked them. The next one, The Split, is coming out in May. Uh, It's going to be a lot of fun. Each one is different, too. That's the earth thing. It's not not a formula. If you like Brad Thor books, you can read one Brad Thor, and you'll like it. You know you're going to like them all because they're all exactly the same. Yeah. Okay. You know, Brad Thorne does what he does. He sells a lot more than I do. So he must be doing something that makes people happy. But uh well, I may catch up with him. Who knows? I like but, Brad
1: Thorne. I like his books.
0: Well, I mean, look, he he does his thing and he's got a proven winning theory. My books, each one is different. Each one has a different feel, a different vibe. Uh some are darker than ours, some are uh lighter than others. Uh I like them all. They're very, they're, 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 they're the same, but they're all very different. And I, it just, I, it keeps it fresh for me. The new one is going to be very fast paced, lots of action, uh, lots of stuff that's going to make you go, holy crap, that's wild. Uh, I think it'll just be a good, I mean, it'll be a good ride with a lot to say about what's happening to our country right now.
1: Well, I got an idea for you, okay? And if you're up for this, I'm happy uh-huh. to do this on my podcast. I'm happy to do this in your locals community, whatever you want. But one of the best podcasts out there is the Talking Sopranos podcast with Steve Sharippa and Mike Imperioli, okay? So I don't know if you watched huh. The Sopranos back in the day, but they take— I,
0: ha- I have seen The Sopranos. It's
1: a great, great show. Maybe even the greatest in television history, certainly top five. Really love The Sopranos. So these guys take an hour and a bit and they go through each episode uh, of the show on each episode of the podcast. So here's my offer to you, Kurt Schlichter. As a, as a super fan of Kurt Schlichter and his work, I will be willing to come on to a format with you, my own, yours, both, whatever you want. I will take one book with you. We will go through it together for your fans. This will help get you a lot more sales. It will provide a lot of value for people because people love that sort of thing. If you're up for that, well, it sounds um,
0: like a lot of fun. I'm just going to have to read the books again.
1: That's all right. There you go. I so, find myself having. I find so, myself
0: having to go through, going. What was that guy's name?
1: So here's Holy what cow. we'll do. Here's what we'll do. We'll pick one book at a time. We'll give you. We'll give you like two weeks to read it, because that's all it should take you. Read it. I'll reread it as well. Let's set a date. I'll record it. Um, I, I'll send you the recordings as well. If you like, you can. You can do what you will with them. I can do what I will with them. Whatever way you want to do it, let's talk about all five of your books, and then we can we can do some special episodes for talking about characters like Kelly Turnbull, and we can talk about who's that guy Martin, whatever the heck his name was, Martin yes, Rios Parkinson, the bad guy, the bad guy, and we can just delve into all that stuff. We can delve into because. I tell you, if we do about 15, 20 episodes like that, people will love it. People will just go, that's how you add value into your local's community. And you can bring people together. So that's number one. Step number two, you, Mr. Thought Leader, and this is the thought I have for you, and we can talk about this offline. Sometime I'd be honored to do that, is start thinking about how you can, how you can, Solve these some acute problems for people inside the movement. I shared with you one of the problems I'm solving, is, which is to help you know people with successful businesses at least a couple million a year in revenue, up to 10 million a year in revenue. I want to help them make more money, I want to help them be a part of a, a community of like minded people. Start thinking about what some acute problems that you, Kurt Schlichter, can solve with what you already offer or, or something that's a twist on what you offer and let's start talking about how you might be able to monetize that because that's a beautiful way to make some money and it's a beautiful way to help people at the same time. And right now the conservative movement needs more people banding together. You're already a man with a big voice. So that's my advice to you, sir. Uh, Well, I appreciate it. Sounds like great advice. You bet. You bet. All right. So we end off each and every single one of our shows by asking you as our guest expert, what are your top three Pieces of advice: What we call your top three expert action steps, bullet point form. What say you?
0: Uh, step one: Multiple income streams. There are so many opportunities out there to make money, I, and I get I get myself a pile of ten ninety nines every year because I'm doing many things. You know, I'm selling books online. I'm selling books through Amazon. I'm selling books through traditional publishers. Uh, I'm doing law, I'm doing speaking gigs, I'm doing radio guest hosting. Would you invest all your money in one stock? Of course not. But that's what you're doing if you have one job. I remember I had a, a Circuit City as a client. Remember Circuit City? Yep. It was, a, it was Electronics Guy. I had him. was a very junior lawyer. I was like a two, three-year lawyer. I had all Circuit City in California. And then it went under. Hmm. Fortunately, I had diversified and we went on without missing a beat. But the lesson is always have multiple income streams. The, the second thing is Do not be ashamed to promote. One of the interesting things I see are people who both simultaneously complain because they can't find any good entertainment and then also complain, oh, my gosh, at the end of Kurt's article, he's pushing his books. Yes, I am intentionally. I am on purpose attempting to sell my book for money. Yes, you have caught me. That is exactly what I am doing. Great analysis. Why? Would a purported right-wing capitalist find that to be a bad thing? Not, and not only am I doing what I should do for my own enlightened self-interest, I'm helping the movement by by, by providing the kind of conservative content that my critics, when there aren't that many, but they're annoying, uh, uh, say that we need. So you know, talk about shooting yourself in your own foot. My last bit of advice is, of course, buy guns and ammunition. Why? Uh, every American citizen should have the capacity to defend themselves, their family, their community, and their constitution from criminal and other threats. Uh, I've served in multiple civil support operations, riots, et cetera. And uh, throughout them, uh, I have never met anybody who was uh, upset about the ability to protect uh, his, his, and his, himself and his. Uh, so I, I guess that's a bigger way of saying be self-reliant, don't count on anyone else, be able to do the things you need to do, uh, to survive. And that, that, that also means learn, you know, basic first aid, uh, keep in good physical shape, uh, understand what you're going to do in various disasters and other, uh, uh, things be ready to help. Know how to stop the bleeding if you should encounter someone bleeding out. If you open up my trunk, I've got uh, 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 gauze packs uh, uh, for uh, bleeding control, just right there, in hmm. case I happen to see somebody spurting out a uh, uh, artery after a car wreck on the four hundred five. Wow. Okay. So uh, be prepared. Don't give in to the haters. Do what you uh, do. Not make any excuses for being in business provide value and you have nothing to apologize for and uh, uh, multiple income streams. The, that, the, the corollary of that is, it means you're going to work a lot. You're always, you know, ABC, always be closing. I am always promoting. I am always working, yet I never feel rushed. I never feel busy. I know how to manage my time. Good thing from the army. Hmm. Uh, I, I never feel like I can't do what I want to do even as I accomplish what I have
1: to do. Those are three brilliant expert action steps. Thank you so much for sharing them with us. So listener, Kurt Schlichter, a thought leader's thought leader, a man with strong, well thought out opinions, and a man who's found a way to actually turn his thought leadership, his passion into a business and a very successful business at that. And if you're thinking to yourself, wow, can I do that? And maybe there's a part of you that believes it, but maybe there's a part of you that doubts it. And here's what I have to say to you. First of all, face down your doubts because doubt kills the warrior or the warrior kills the doubt. Remember that doubt kills the warrior or the warrior kills the doubt. Secondly, don't do it alone. Don't try to figure it out by yourself. Come listen to this podcast more often. Share this podcast with at least five of your friends. Tell them how great it was, tell them how much you got from it. And then on top of that, go to my website, go to ecircleacademy.com and right smack dab in the middle of the page, there's a button that says watch free webinar masterclass. That masterclass is basically a masterclass, a tutorial on how you can take your genius and turn it into commercial magic. And look, you're an entrepreneur. You are somebody who's taking advantage of the glories of the free enterprise system in order to make a difference for yourself and the people that you care about. You're here to bring your products, your services out into the world to serve people, to make their life better. Because after all, what is being in business other than solving acute problems? We are all here to solve acute problems for people. And What I wanna do is I wanna help you as a hero of free enterprise to do better. I want you to be the best version of yourself inside your business. I want you to make the most amount of money you can possibly make. I want you to be fulfilled doing something that truly is a self-expression for you. And I want you to be able to take those magnificent thoughts that are in your head, articulate them powerfully, and think so well that just like the great Kurt Schlichter, it becomes second nature and easy for you. So take advantage of this. Watch that masterclass. Take advantage of the opportunity to jump on a phone call with me or a member of my team to help you figure out how to turn that genius into money, because at the end of the day... Yes, it's important to change the world. Yes, it's important to make a difference for people, but it's also important for you to get paid and get paid big. That's what the free enterprise system is all about. It's about making you successful as well as having you help other people. That's what it is to be a capitalist. And on this show, we are proud capitalists. Kurt Schlichter, my friend, thank you so much for gracing our humble show with your presence. It was a, truly an honor to have you here with us. Thanks for having me, Nikki. Oh, you bet, my friend. You bet. And that wraps up another exciting episode of the podcast, The Thought Leader Revolution. To find out more about today's incredible guest, the one and only Kurt Schlichter, go to thethoughtleaderrevolution.com, check out the show notes, or check out the show notes on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and any of the other platforms we're on. And to take advantage of all the resources that I told you about, go to ecircleacademy.com. Until next time, goodbye.